That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Papaya Podcast. I'm your hostess, Tran Hermostis, Sarah Nicole, and each week I'm going to be dishing out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom or something like that. So get ready to get inspired, get candid, get real, because we are all in this digital space together. All right, everyone, welcome back. I am sitting in my favorite studio in the world. I am in Apple Park. It is my third time recording here. Their studios are so amazing. And we just attended the Apple event. And I'm here with a very special guest that I'm so excited agreed to sit down with me because we are going to have an incredible conversation. Liz Baker Plosser, Editor-in-Chief of Women's Health Magazine. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. It's so awesome to be here. What a magical day. That's like the word I've said so many times today. In addition to the word rad, which I try to save for special occasions, but I kept saying it over and over today. So well, this is so fun to be with you. So thank you. I'm just excited you knew who I was. So that was already, I was like, oh, you know who I am? You're agreeing to be on my podcast. This is awesome. I have so much I want to talk to you about, but we can't go anywhere without talking about the Apple event itself. Have you been to one before? I actually have. I was at the Apple keynote, which is what I believe they called it back then in 2018. So Wow. In the before times. In the before. I, mm-hmm. And so I think I went to 2019. What? So today, what were your impressions? What were your big takeaways, especially for somebody who works in the health category? Was it probably a little bit different than me being like, oh, I really like the new cameras and I really like all these different features. What were your big moments of takeaway? Well, I definitely was crushing on the new camera and all of those features for sure. Well, first of all, just the energy was so mm. great. You know, I think we all probably appreciate coming together and learning about technology and new health features even more than we did before because we can do it together in person. Mm. So, yes, the Steve Jobs Theater was just like goosebumpy energy, I would say. And yeah, zooming on to the actual new launches or product updates. I am I've been an Apple Watch wearer since it came out gosh, seven and a half years ago now. I I remember vividly because I'd had my third son, George, back in 2015 and got to meet with Apple and 
got myself into an Apple Watch like a couple days after he was born. Oh. Which was shows you what a like huge geek I am for trying new stuff and just being curious about my body and the latest and greatest health and fitness features. So it's just been so awesome watching how the watch has evolved and changed and updated. And, you know, you can only imagine how many people work so hard thinking about that and the engineers behind it and the scientists and the researchers. So today, gosh, there was so much awesomeness. But what really, really kind of made me take a deep breath and just say, like, thank you. Well done, Apple, was the new women's health features. Mm. Um, I've been hoping that Apple would come out with temperature sensors, which they have in the new Series 8 Apple Watch. I believe there's two sensors. And you'll be wearing the watch overnight. And that's, you can, because there's more battery power. So it will last longer. And after about five days, it will know what your baseline temperature is. So if you're a woman who ovulates, eventually over time, in about one to two months, it will be able to say, based on your temperature patterns, Mm -hmm. when you've ovulated. So Mm -hmm. that can be really helpful if you're trying to conceive. There are all sorts of other use cases, not just about trying to get pregnant, but also for women who think they might have PCOS or are entering menopause or having other hormonal imbalances. You know, they'll be able to share this information with their doctor. And it's just a huge game changer. You know, I've been really following this space, particularly in the wake of the Roe v. Wade decision recently mm. in the United States. And I'm so glad you brought this up because I was like, <laughs> oh, we're going to have to talk about I this. I know. Yeah. And rightfully so. And we've written a lot about this at Women's Health. Women are very concerned about privacy mm. and, you know, apps that they've traditionally used to track their menstrual cycles. And I'm just, you know, as always with Apple, privacy is at top of mind. That's how it's developed. So it will be safe. It will be secure. It will be encrypted. Even Apple won't know what your information is. It will be up to you who you share it with, including your doctor or other people. So anyway, there's so much other cool stuff to talk about. But number one, I just had to get that out there. I'm super excited about that. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of cool announcements. I think the watch was one that, I mean, years ago, the first time I attended an Apple event, the Apple event started by people similar to today, reading letters out loud Mm -hmm. on how their lives are saved. And I'll never forget this woman who shared when she was pregnant her watch alerted her that something was going on with her heart and she should maybe get to an emergency room. And she was going through some sort of a cardiac arrest and her life and her child's life were saved in that moment. And so we hear these stories and I was saying to my friend today, I'm like, it's fascinating because these are the stories that are never going to make the news because Mm -hmm. lives were saved. And so with crash detection, that's another one. I actually know somebody who has gotten lost in the wilderness and unfortunately passed away, they believe by a fall. So I I can't help but think about, yes, we're so excited about the cameras. We're so excited about how much these products add to our lives. I don't know that we're really grasping the severity of saving lives. There's a reason I very much, I think I bought my parents or I I pushed them to get them for Christmas. Apple watches. It was like, it's a sense of security for myself as well, knowing that my parents, uh, they're still young, but they're not without fault of falling or crashing or having heart failure. I mean, these stories, they're incredibly told and just the life-saving devices and beyond that, some of the mental health capabilities of them as well. One of my favorite parts of the Apple watch 
that we could go on about this forever. But one of my favorite things is that we can actually disconnect from our phones and go on with our lives and still have connectivity from the things that we actually need to, like our kids or our music or the things that we want to still enjoy, right? A hundred percent. And I'm so glad you brought that stuff up because it's definitely not as fun to talk about. It's mm. scary. Yeah. It's scary to even watch those videos mm-hmm. and to see the footage of how, you know, all the, the crash testing One was, was done. One was a plane crash. Yeah. It oh, was, well, it got yeah, intense. There was a car crash. There was a plane crash. I, I know. There was a lot. And I'm laughing, but it's kind of like nervous laughter. But I, I completely agree with you. This is going to, I hope nobody listening ever, ever has to use any of these features or know anybody who does. But 100,000 million percent will save lives. Yeah. And that is powerful. I'm so excited to share with you a new podcast sponsor. And this one is especially for my U.S. listeners. I want to share with you about Claire. Claire is an innovative new e-commerce paint startup that takes the hassle out of paint shopping with streamlined selection of designer curated colors, peel and stick paint swatches, and premium paint and supplies delivered straight to your door. Claire is also a black owned business and it was founded by interior designer, Nicole Gibbons, who saw that traditional paint shopping experience was outdated and full of hassle. So she decided to create Claire, a better brand and a whole new experience that's easier, faster, more convenient, and more inspiring. Claire also offers ultra premium paint that's healthier for your home and the environment. Claire's paint formulations are zero VOC, Green Guard Gold certified for better indoor air quality and meets the most stringent chemical emission standards. Claire is also formulated without any toxic air contaminants, also known as TACs, hazardous air pollutants, also known as HAPs, EPA chemicals of concern, so it's a paint you can feel good about using in your home. They also have expert guidance, tons of educational content to help you tackle your paint project like a pro. Claire has literally thought of every detail to help your paint project be easy, inspiring, and hassle-free, so it's no surprise that it was founded by a woman. The paint industry is incredibly male-dominated, and legacy paint brands feel overly masculine and unapproachable, so it's honestly really refreshing to see that this new, women-led brand is taking a fresh approach to paint shopping. With Claire, you can find everything you need from choosing a paint color and tackling your paint projects with confidence without ever leaving your home. From the products to inspiration, tips, and tutorials, it's all literally in one stop shop. So for your next paint project, definitely give Claire a try. Visit Claire, that's C L A R E dot com slash papaya to get started, and you're going to receive $5 off your first gallon of paint. That's www.claire dot com slash papaya for five dollars off thank you so much and for my u.s listeners i hope you check claire out i think it's one of the coolest brands i have ever heard about and honestly i hate going to hardware stores to shop for paint so i would really love this too all right check them out let's get back to the show relationships are hard and that's why i'm here hey friend it's cammy crawford think of me as your big sister slash audible bff that you can always trust to give you the real tea this is my show relationship the advice podcast that covers all relationship topics the good the bad and the straight up shitty 
Need advice? Send your story to hello at relationshippod.com or DM me at relationship on IG and tune in for new episodes every Friday. Be sure to follow us and subscribe so you don't miss all the hot goss. And if you're loving the show, please leave us a review. Talk soon, bestie. Okay, so let's get into your career because obviously you have such a passion for health and it's so multifaceted. I kind of dug into some of your work with women's health. And I mean, you've done some pretty iconic things even in the last year with the magazine. I'm not even going to say it. I'm going to just imagine that you know exactly what I'm talking about. What cover issue? Oh, what am I going to say? I know the one. Yeah. Hillary Duff, yeah. the body <laughs> issue. Hillary Duff, the body <laughs> issue. Who didn't talk about that? I, ha- I have creative friends who like created their own versions of the cover. Oh, it was, I love that. Oh, it was so beautiful because you saw people like honoring their own body yes. issue, like their own, like what they would look like on yeah. the cover. But I want to hear how you got into this position of being the editor-in-chief at Women's Health. How long have you been there? I have been at Women's Health for about four. I'm coming up on five years, which is crazy. I still feel like I'm brand new to the role, which is part of why my job is so awesome because it changes every day. It still feels like we're in startup mode, you know, trying to level up and evolve and tell great, awesome news stories. So it really does feel like that. But I have been in the health and wellness space for almost my entire career. I, I'll just say I started out as an investment investment banking analyst, which actually, I'm really glad I had that experience. It, I was going to say that's sounds... like my little superpower. Most I'm... most editor in chiefs don't have that. Okay. I make a say, mean Excel boring. sheet. <laughs> An Excel sheet. Well, which is no. why I left. It was not for me. But I do love the business side and the results and the metrics which when you get to where I am, and certainly in our digital age, well, arguably at any time in media, if you care about that stuff, and we need to because our whole goal is for the content of women's health to for readers to engage with it because we want to help them change their lives and make positive, active, healthy decisions for themselves. So Knowing that we're do we're executing on that and that our audience is growing, which it is, just lights me up. But okay, so quick stint in finance and then um, began as an editorial assistant at Self Magazine, which is now digital only. Kind of worked my way up the masthead there. I left New York for a hot second, six years, while my husband was in graduate school in Chicago. I freelanced a lot for women's health. I was writing a lot of fitness features and health features and for a lot of other health outlets. We then are like unicorns who leave New York and come back with children. So we we came back (laughs) with one-year-old boy-girl twins, and I began working at Cosmo, overseeing all of their health content and really rebuilding it. And then I left to go be deputy editor back at a self. I left there to go work on the brand side at SoulCycle, overseeing digital content and strategy. And then I built out a team at Well and Good, which is a health and lifestyle brand as SVP of content. And then I came back to Hearst to be at the helm of women's health. So... Wow. (laughs) The thing I find really fascinating about this story is that you've sort of, there's been a lot of changes, one with magazine yeah, in like print and in two in the conversation about health, especially women. Yes. I grew up on magazines so targeted where, and this is where, if you don't know, I I struggled with an eating, my health journey took me straight into an eating disorder because 
the guidance around it was so focused on what you looked like and so focused on a body figure and not actually my health. So what I was doing for my health was actually opposite of what I should have been doing. And everyone was so happy and praising of me. I actually ended up on a cover of a magazine for my success story while simultaneously starving myself to get that cover. So it is... I had a very perverted version of what health looked like and I fell into it in such a bizarre way. And I remember growing up with magazines sort of creating some of that messaging that really took it there. Now I have to say that and then also say, I spent some time looking at some of your covers and some of the language and it's so subtle, but it is so important. There was one and I screenshot it. So I'm gonna pull it up right now. And I was just so taken aback by the difference of this five moves for an even better butt yeah that language is got to be so intentional because it's not saying five moves for a good butt it's you already have a great one yeah. here's some five moves for an even better one you already have a great butt let's talk about getting you a better one i went through all of your covers in the last little while first of all because i was double checking that you weren't a problematic guest to have on because i'm like do your due diligence <laughs> yes <laughs> but i was so pleasantly surprised. And I also kind of have to ask you, as you've kind of gone through the health and wellness space, diet culture being so separate of that. I mean, diet culture in my head is a a lot of the diets that we were packaged and sold growing up and repackaged and repackaged and repackaged and sold. And then now that diet culture has been sort of called out and seen for how awful it can be and how disordered it is, they sort of started co-opting wellness Mm. and started co-opting certain languages that previously were very sacred to us. And I've had to really reclaim a lot of things that fitness isn't diet culture. Mm -hmm. Nutrient-dense food is not diet culture. We've had several conversations about this lately, but you are somebody who has really had to navigate through it. So talk with me a little bit about like sort of the social shifts that have happened, but also just like keeping a hold of the value in health without it being disordered like it so has been in print media and media in general over the years. Oof, such, such good I conversation. Know. Well, I, I had like, to lead you there with like a little praise though. Well, I was like, I I'm not coming out of bad way because it was... Honestly, you just nailed it and I love that you get it and it's okay if our readers wouldn't articulate it so beautifully like you just did because they're going to absorb that through osmosis. Mm. And the way you put it is exactly right. I'm always saying to my team and to myself, we give them credit for where they are. Yes. That's where we begin. Yes. There is no undoing or redoing of who you are. If you want to grow and learn, awesome. We will mm-hmm. hold your hand and go on that journey with you. But there, women's health is not in the business of saying you're doing it wrong or things are bad right mm. now. And it hasn't always been so. The brand celebrates its 20th anniversary. I know this because I've been reading it religiously since it hit <laughs> newsstands in 2024. And I have those old dog-eared issues from yeah. back in the day. And I actually literally this past week was pulling some out and looking at them. And it breaks my heart and Mm. is a punch in the gut to see the language yeah and like nothing but love for this brand that I dreamed of working at but there is no question that that archaic language and that I myself was absorbing and you were absorbing and millions of other women were absorbing I sold it I packaged it and I was like your life is better if you're this right it's um it's hard to look at and think 
goodness, we've come as far as we have, and that doesn't mean we're done. There's a lot more to do. But right before I arrived, my predecessor and her team had sunsetted those two weeks to a bikini body and like lose 10 pounds in 10 days. And yes, only five years ago, those were cover lines on major global magazines. So I was very happy to take the baton and continue running forward. And We are so intentional about our language and about our visuals. They all matter. And women's health, it is, people think of the print magazine, which we definitely are, but we are cross-platform, you know, so we have the site, we have videos, we have social media, we have events. We reach 49 million women a month. So that is a huge responsibility and a huge honor to be meticulous and thoughtful And yes, to really think about every single word, Mm. every single person we quote, you know, really proud since the brand's founded, founding that we're science-backed, expert-based. So, you know, there's so much misinformation out there. Speaking of how wellness, health, and media has evolved, you know, so much information. So... Yeah, and I'm a little bit all over the place, but you br- you brought up so many great things, particularly with fitness, which is a personal issue to me. If you did your due diligence on me, then yeah. you know that on my personal account, I share a lot about fitness. Yeah. I like love to sweat. Um, I hate it. <laughs> no, I've, I, but I, I I do show up for it. Yeah, but I do, and I take breaks sometimes from it. But like That's, it's a it's been love hate. Yeah. But I didn't grow up loving it. It's a very peculiar thing when people are like, I yeah. love sports and I love working out. I'm like, what? Yeah. What is that? I and I get that, and that's that's part genetic. That's yeah. It's a part just like transitions in our lives. There's all sorts of reasons, and it's okay. We can still be friends, even though oh, you. Have- I still. <laughs> I have such a. It, it's such an interesting thing because I think I was so all or nothing with fitness. Yeah. And now I'm like. I think I've really come to honor that move. I've just changed the language to movement for me. So it can be lifting weights. It can be doing a cycle class. It can be going for walks. But I found because the things that felt trackable, if I was like going weightlifting, you're writing down what you're Mm. lifting. If I'm doing a course, it's like marked on my Peloton bike. If I'm doing like a certain Apple fitness thing, then obviously it'll like show up in my account. But for like me going for kilometer long walks or hikes, like I wouldn't register it. So I yeah. still have like a little bit of diet culture yeah. in me where I invalidate what movement is or what fitness is or has become or what can be. But I have to admit that like when I, so I had a really difficult pregnancy that prevented me from being allowed to work out. And that tail like that just took me down a tailspin of dark thoughts then go into postpartum with a newborn baby so I'm in this like new season of like no I can do this in a joyful way and I can do it in a way that works and I can maybe I'm never going to be like I'm so excited to go to the gym and wear my fitness clothes and like lift weights I probably will always drag my ass there but I will always be a little bit happier afterwards. And I have to just admit that there's like this internal battle. So I love watching people who like genuinely love it because it's like this peculiar, it's like why some of us love watching serial killer movies and other people are like, you know, I only want to read romance novels all day. Like we have to honor our differences. See, like I I need, give me like, you know, a a home makeover, something just like (laughs) innocuous that won't raise my heart rate. Yeah, I totally get that. And you are 100% the women's health reader too. Yeah. You know, we know that she comes to us all along that spectrum. Yeah. There's like those the super fans and then there's the sort of curious or maybe I want to get into this or I think it would be healthy 
err if I tried to move a little bit more. So I'm here for all of it, wherever you are. But what I was going to say about fitness and particularly how I think about it and talk about it. So uh, it's probably so annoying. I probably have so many people who have muted me because I'm like, here I am swinging kettlebells. Here I am doing more pull-ups. But like, it makes me feel good. It lights me up. And I'm also, I try to be really, really careful about my language around it. Mm. Like I never share how many calories I burn in a workout. Yeah. And this is authentic to me. Fitness, movement. I, yes, I love sweating and it's cool to like flex my bicep. But honestly, Sarah, it is about how clear and calm and confident I feel after. It's because it yes. makes me a better mom when I get back to my house. It makes me a better leader at women's health. It makes me feel better about myself. And it's so it's like, it's not about the workout. It's about yeah. what it, how I feel and who I am the other 23 hours of the day. Yeah. And like in various ways, shape and form, that's what I, that's the type of language I'm always trying to play with. And I hope sometimes it resonates. And we do that in women's health too. Yeah. That, I you know, that. fitness or mindfulness tools or going to the doctor and getting your mammogram. These are all ways that you're taking care of yourself and they unlock like a better version of you because you did that. It's yes. like what comes after. It's the momentum that you create. No, I, I said that recently because I, I used to always work out at the end of the day before I went to bed. Yeah. I liked the idea of working out and then falling asleep immediately afterwards. <laughs> then I shifted to working out in the morning because I found myself after just where our schedule is with four kids and like running multiple different jobs in a day. At the end of the day, sometimes I'd be like, I'm just so tired. Like I actually, I'm putting in such minimal effort. So I switched it to doing it in the morning and what I loved about it is my entire day could go to crap and I'm like but I did one thing <laughs> accomplished for me nobody else but it was like a me thing but this is also why like you said about like people must mute me and be annoyed I think that people are kind of like funny about social media posts about fitness I particularly <laughs> no I think we have to go so much deeper and I feel the same way about a selfie and I will go so hard on this messaging Getting through a workout is like a physical and mental challenge that you're going through. And it's also an act of self-love for yourself yep. and self-care. And sometimes it's really hard to do that lonely. It's really mm. hard to do that by yourself. It's really hard to do that without feeling championed. So I am like, when I see people like posting their workouts or something, I'm like, I know that you went through this like hour experience or half hour, 20 minutes or five minutes of like pushing yourself and honoring that. And you took a picture at the end of it because you were so proud. I can take two seconds to double tap this and send Aww. you a little bit of love. The same way I feel about a selfie. We feel so, we have, we struggle with so much self-hate and self-deprecating thoughts. When somebody takes a photo of themselves and puts it up on the internet, that is like such a moment of like, love and like seeing yourself I'm like we have to we have to go away from it being narcissistic or anything I'm like it is such an honor of self and I think that it's another way that sort of patriarchal society has minimized women and the things we love to do the things that we love to capture mm -hmm. and the language in which we share which were things like social media original blogs things like our own fitness journeys they were so reduced to our bodies for so long mm -hmm. that people I think still struggle to be like, oh, you're, you're working out and, and that's like such a self honoring thing. But I have to ask you as well, like we're talking about health and obviously it's going to fitness, but health is so much more than that. Mm -hmm. You brought up the Roe v. Wade. How are some of the other like health categories that you have really touched on and continue to expand on to help people understand that health is not 
how you work out every day. Health is not how many abs you have, which are like <laughs> underlayers of my dad always has this line where he was like, oh, I have abs. They're just my washboard abs just have a load of laundry in them right now. And he's been saying that since I was a kid. It always made me laugh, That's but it cute. always made me feel better because I was like, we all have abs. Yeah. Some are visible, some are not. We all have them. Yeah. But what are some other ways that we can honor health without it like constantly being about maybe one facet of it, especially for those who maybe struggle, you know, like me, I couldn't work out for a very long time. It can be hard to sort of get in a space where you're like, I'm still a good, healthy person or like removing that moral value from how yeah. much we're doing. Talk to me a little bit more about like the expansion of health and the different facets of it. Yeah. So mental health is a huge part of women's health's DNA and it always has been, but we've, that's another area where we've really expanded the breadth and depth of our content. And quite honestly, we just keep doing more and more and more because our readers want it. It really resonates with them. So we have a section in the magazine every month called Mind. We do tons of mental health content across our platforms. And I, I, mental health is such a, it's such a big category, but it really, again, it like spans things from like stress and anxiety and imposter syndrome all the way to the more gravitas topics like eating disorders and depression and bipolar, you know, and everything in between. And this is something I'm incredibly passionate about because most of us don't realize that one in four of us will navigate a mental health condition during Mm. our lifetime. So that means that either you personally have or will, or that your sister will, your mom, the the person sitting in the cubicle next to you, the guy you, you know, who's walking his dog that you cross on the sidewalk. Like it is just everywhere. It's around us. And so I just want to say the like flashback to your point about social media and narcissism and the patriarchy Mm -hmm. and acts of love. I I was like, it was so cool. And I'm, I'm going to go down more rabbit holes (laughs) into your content because I really love your perspective and how you're thinking about that. But to your point, I think how I feel about this is be kind to each other. Yes. Because we are all going through something. Yes. And that is, you know, undoubtedly true, even if it's not a diagnosis of depression. I get guarantee that you've experienced anxiety or had a panic attack in your life. You know, we're, we all, we're all just humans trying our very best. And so that's a mental health. And I say that so broadly, but we, we go really deep and we talk to real women. That's a, a big part of it is women who feel safe and can be vulnerable and share their experience with us. They are so courageous and they help so many other women when they do that. It saves lives. It saves lives. And we have the platform to put them forward and to show different kinds of women, different kinds of bodies, different backgrounds, different ages, different ability levels, different geographies, different religions, all the things. And like, that's really important too. So it's, you know, there's so many layers to our content and we're just, we're constantly trying to surface more mental health content stories. We are in the midst of working on our November issue right now, which is our mind issue where we'll go really deep oh. on mental health. But we do it all day, every day, to be yeah. honest. So that's a big area for me and for the brand. I'm so excited that you kind of do bring up those topics because I'm i somebody who, yeah, I've had, I've had anxiety. I've struggled with things like that. My experience with depression came at like the most unlikely time of life. And I had zero reference to anybody who had ever gone through it. I had prenatal depression. Yeah. I had never heard that term before until it was said to me by a therapist. 
I was like, how do I even tell people? How do I even share the story of I'm pregnant? I'm in a really healthy, good space of my life. And I'm depressed for the first time. There was, I could find so much information about postpartum. There was so much support for postpartum, but prenatal, I remember the day I shared it on social media and thousands of people unfollowed me. And I was like, that's a gut punch. However, (laughs) an an awful time to hear it or like to see it. But also now I, now that I'm like a far and away from it, you know, I'm a year and a half postpartum. I have had thousands of women come to me and be like, I've been diagnosed for prenatal depression because I knew the signs because of what you said and you talked about and I went to my doctor with it and I was like oh my gosh like that so sucked in the moment it sucked to be judged for it it sucked that there was stigma around it it sucked that nobody knew what I was talking about it sucked that I felt like a monster for it but I I decided to share that story because there was something in me that understood that we need to have more conversations about the stuff that we're just not talking about we I think as well, like women are really good at handling a lot. It shouldn't mean that we are. I read this post today by an artist and she said like, I'm so tired of being congratulated for how strong I am. Mm-hmm. Like I deserve spaces that are soft. I'm I'm tired of having to be so strong. And I was like, that is a little bit on women's backs. The last couple of years, the pandemic, how our careers have been sacrificed, the wage gaps, the, the issues all across the board with motherhood or being child-free and infertility, everything yeah. in between. It's so much pressure and it's so much to carry and we need storytelling and we need other people going before us to be able to connect those pieces for ourselves to advocate for ourselves because these conversations, like you said, they weren't happening 20 years ago. They weren't happening 10 years ago. They weren't even truly happening in the broad spectrum that they are now five years ago, right? Like this is a totally, totally different time. And I know I was reading something recently where they were talking about People were, you know, women were being mass diagnosed. Like they were just, we're now in this new age of everyone's being diagnosed with a lot of things. And I was talking to my mom about it. And I'm like, do you think that people are struggling more in this day and age? Or do you think that we're finally acknowledging it, that we're finally seeing it and we're going to talk about getting better. Like it's, it's a hard thing to know or understand. Were women in the fifties inherently happier? Did they struggle less with disordered eating? Did they have better marriages or did did they not have a way of leaving marriages because of financial stability? Did they just have to shove all of their feelings aside? Were they just depressed in hiding? These are like, when we think about it and it feels like the world's crumbling apart, I'm like, I think we're actually rising up a little bit too. And that's, that makes me very hopeful. I have to live in the stream of being hopeful. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it's interesting. I was just home visiting my family in Kansas City where I grew up over Labor Day. And I was talking with my mom about family history of Mm. illness because that's what you do when you're a health editor. (laughs) (laughs) It's a really fun coffee talk with my mom. She's like, oh, geez, Liz. But even she, I was saying like, I'm just gonna put this out there. I am 43 years old and I have yet to get a mammogram that Mm. I need to do. I'm like scared of it. But even though like I don't, have a family history. Anyway, I was asking my mom for information about this. And she was like going back in my family tree to my great, great grandmother. And she was like, we think that she had breast cancer and that's what she eventually died from. But like interesting that this was, you know, decades and decades ago before there was early detection and um, treatments and all those things. So just like magnify that times everything you just said, you know, it was a different (laughs) time. So I do think 
or I suspect, and you know, I'm not, I'm sure there are like anthropologists and sociologists and yeah. scientists who could yeah. be like, Sarah and Liz, we know <laughs> the answer. But it, in my mind, there were a lot of people suffering in silence and mm. they probably didn't know what was going on or how to seek help. And I guess that's like the happy bright side of social media and your story sharing about your prepartum depression, which was yeah. really courageous of you. And that was incredibly powerful. And think how many women you helped by doing that, you know, I and know. We, like, it's hard to take that step and to be like, I don't want to share this. I, I don't want to press post. I feel so weird about this. And so all the feelings you described. And I feel like for I'm, I'm not going to put myself in your company, though, you know, I, I recognize my job at the helm of this brand that reaches so many yeah. women, but you have so many followers. Yeah. So speaking of pressure, you have a lot of pressure then. You're like, I, what do I share? I what do know. I not? You know, it's just, it's It comes down lot. to gut feelings sometimes yeah. though too. Do you get that with your work? Do you sometimes, do you have those like moments where you know, like, do you have a favorite issue and it was it like a <laughs> consumer favorite issue? Or did you like know the body issue was going to be like such a thing? Uh -huh. You know, I will say, I am getting so much better at trusting my instincts and my Good. guts every every year of my life and probably because of a lot of therapy and internal work. Yeah. But okay, the body issue. Well, I knew it was magic. I mean, yeah. I knew that image was yeah. I just I, I have it framed like a full size <laughs> version of it just sits on my desk at work. Oh gosh, so I, I love stare it. at Hillary when I'm in my office. But oh, we also knew how how careful and meticulous we needed to be with our language. And I think my my fear and my, you know, I was just oscillating between fear and hope was like, I just hope people get it, what we're mm. trying to do here. Yeah. This isn't about like celebrating Hollywood and people who have access to trainers and the archaic stuff. This mm -hmm. is not, this is like, not about that at all. And if you read the cover lines and you read Hillary's story, and I talked to Hillary on the phone a couple of times before we did the issue, and I was like, I just want you as you are. Like, mm. you don't have to work out once before this issue as yes. far as I'm concerned. I don't, like, we just want you because you are awesome. Mm -hmm. You're a mom and you're an entrepreneur and you're an amazing actor. And it's really about the relationship between strength inside and like physical strength it's about not being necessarily body positive or body negative but like maybe it's okay to be body neutral and have Love different feelings neutral. about your body when you wake up and when you eat lunch and after you work out and after you take a nap you know just all the different places we go with our bodies and Lifting up women, there's a portfolio inside that features five different women who have really interesting stories and perspectives. And it's not all like, you know, sparkles and yeah. everything's great. You know, I they think we're go, tired of that anyway. They show some shadows. They yeah. put some light on the dark places too, which is great. So, yeah, the, there was a lot we were hoping to accomplish. And it just, yeah, it took off and it started a lot of conversations. And it I did. know some people had feelings about it and I got plenty of DMs about it. Yeah. And people who were annoyed, you know, and worse because that's not, people are more than annoyed if they decide to DM you about something. But for the most part, for really, truly the most part, and for yeah. all the conversations that it started, even if people had that's mixed feelings about it, it truly represented how women's health thinks about health and mm. well being and vulnerability and strength and softness. 
I don't even remember all the particular things, but I do remember the amount of conversation it did start. And I think that's one of the biggest things, like whether frustrated or excited or honored and like felt like reflected in certain storylines. I'm like, all of this is generating conversation that is so important. And I think that that's like, nobody's going to get anything perfect and right. Or even as a magazine in the last 20 years, how it's progressed. I'm excited to see where the next five years go because I love that you're actually so willing as somebody who is like the editor in chief to be like, no, let's have these conversations. Like let's open ourselves up to like other people's opinions and the change that we see coming. I also just think that like Hillary Duff's one of those people that people just grew up and loved. And it was, it was such a magical moment. I think for a lot of people, like seeing that cover was just such a cool thing. Even if she has like such a rock and bod and you're like, what issue? I still think that it was an important conversation to have. And I love that you mentioned body neutrality because One of my bigger points is I will never again put my value in myself on on something so vulnerable Mm -hmm. and something so variable as an ever-changing body. The way I look can't be a determination of if I go and live my life today, I only have this one day, this one time, so I'm going to go do it. So neutrality is sort of on the rise for people who are really just sort of trying to escape that constant noise that they're never going to be enough Mm. that we can see somebody like a Hillary Duff that in all our eyes is so perfect and hear her say that she struggles with the way she looks like you can be mad about it, but you can also really acknowledge that this is a cycle that a lot of women have been put in and put on that we are truly trying to work our way through conversations, through magazines, through print media, through social media, whatever those things are, not perfectly, but in a way that we're generating so much conversation into change and through generations, I think that'll be born in a, in a very, very different society. I already see it in my kids. Like, yeah, they still have their like moments of stuff, but they don't obsess over their bodies nearly as much as me and my sister did when we were kids. Yeah. Not not nearly. And that's just one household. But I watch their friends and like, it's just not even conversations that were had the same way. So I'm excited for what the next five years bring. I'm excited for the next 20. Anything cool coming up? I know you actually came out with a new book. I actually want you to share more about it as we sort of round out this episode, because I'm excited. Somebody told me about it and I'm like, this sounds awesome. Tell me about the book. Yeah, I um, It's actually one year ago today that okay. my book came out. It's called oh, wow. Own Your Morning, but it is new because it's just come out in paperback. So Okay, I was like, why did I think it was no, brand new? Yeah, I mean, it's still, you know, baby book, yeah. you know, fledgling book in the world, but it's amongst my many missions. One of them is to help people live healthier, happier mornings. I Mm. truly believe that how you start your day is how you live your day. You talked about transitioning or trying evening workouts and now day morning morning workouts. Sarah, I could not agree with you more. If I can get in my workout in the morning, then it's like, you know, that is probably the hardest thing I will have to accomplish today. Hopefully, hopefully. I mean, more, (laughs) let's be honest, other stuff could come up, but Probably the the hardest physical thing I have to do that day. Yeah, yeah. That's it's about momentum and it and it's not about fitness. The book is really and it's not about you have to wake up earlier. Or, you know, here's yeah. how to set your alarm for five seventeen a.m. like I do because I'm kind of a a, a goofball like that. <laughs> five uh, seventeen seven is my lucky number. Okay. So I, I like I really get obsessed with numbers and colors. <laughs> the the book is about being the architect of the best morning for you. 
So it started as a franchise in the print magazine, Own Your Morning, where we kind of take a voyeuristic look into the lives of all different types of women, scientists and athletes and actors and entrepreneurs. I love how different everybody's morning looks. Now, do you have tea or coffee? Or maybe you just have water. Do you meditate? Do you journal? Do you do a mad dash hustle? And do you wish it was a little more thoughtful and a little more time for yourself? So that the book helps you sort of determine what your core values are and what areas you want to really check the box and do something for yourself. For me, it's really family time and mm-hmm. fitness, walking my dog. And I'm just going to say it, coffee is its own category because the ritual of it, the, oh, the smell, I and know. Yes, the caffeine. So the book is filled with tips, science-backed, expert-based information, just like women's health. There's a lot of beautiful essays from real women and luminaries in the wellness and health space. And um, yeah, it's available on Amazon. You can get it paperback. You can get it hardback. You can listen to it on audio, on the Kindle. And I also, one of my favorite hashtags to use is hashtag own your morning because I love it when people share on social and tag me at Liz Plosser and just share what's going on in your morning, you know, a win. Honestly, I love it when people share the setbacks too, like their kid crying or the splattered eggs on the kitchen floor, mm-hmm. whatever it is, you know, mornings, mornings, they, we can all inspire one another. So yeah. I'm, I'm trying to, trying to share that magic and I hope, I hope people love it and that when you wake up tomorrow, it's an even happier day for you. You know what? I I have to admit that when I do have a better morning, I'm a different person. I'm a better person. I I hate that. I'm probably more of a morning person than I am a night person. But I did find that like, especially because I kind of create my own schedule. And in the pandemic, you kind of got into this reality of like, I can, you know, whatever. I don't really have to set alarms. I just wake up and go when I go. I've got a baby that'll wake me up eventually. (laughs) But when I started working out in the morning, I started setting an alarm again. I told myself that if this was going to work, I had to treat this as important as I would a flight I had to catch Mm. so that there was no snoozing there was no anything and that sounds like it was like a grueling ritual but I was like no I'm just as important as a flight that I have to catch this is as important as anything else in my world if I let it be that important and that's that's what made the difference that's what got me going is that that intentionality and I say it over and over again people are probably so they probably want to mute me for this one line but the fact that we are so caught up in self-love being the us liking the way we look. Mm. And the reality is, is self-love is so much waking up and making intentional decisions for ourselves. It's acts of love. It has to be. That's the only way it's going to work. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, we have like so run the clock. I have loved talking to you. This has been so delightful. Thank you so much for sharing so much of your expertise in sort of the the magazine and women's health and everything you're doing. You know, you're a mom, you're an entrepreneur as well, you're a writer, so many cool things. It's just been really a joy to sit here and in the coolest room ever talk to you about all this stuff. This was awesome. Best way to close out the day. Thank yeah. you, Sarah. I had so much fun chatting with you too. And for everyone listening, I'll have everything for you in the show notes as well as information about the book and social tags. And we will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening all the way through this episode. If you've made it this far, I have one more little thing to share with you. Did you know that I actually have a photo and video editing app? So many people were surprised to hear that I have one, but it's actually been around for a little while and you can join over 200,000 of the Papaya community by downloading my free app, 
pink papaya on iOS. While so many apps focus on changing your appearance, pink papaya is all about celebrating yourself for exactly who you are and expressing your creativity and your storytelling with nearly 50 free filters and tools. Find us on social and share your edits as well. We might just share them too. So tag me as well at pink papaya app. Just had to share that with you, especially as the springtime's coming. We've got some really cool things happening in there and so much more coming. Check it out at Pink Papaya app. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find us on Instagram at the Papaya Podcast. And if you loved what you just listened to or know somebody who would, please share it. Simply screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it to your Instagram stories. And don't forget to tag us. Last but not least, if you'd like to lend your personal support to the podcast, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be oh so grateful. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of the Papaya Podcast, and we'll see you then. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.